1: Find love at first drive and start shopping now
2: at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Time now for the College Football Inquirer with Dan Wetzel. I don't know why the
1: leaders of this sport just crap all over the sport so much it's just amazing they're constantly telling you that everything's horrible
0: si's ross gillinger now I, I i'll say this i don't we're at 41 bowls right now i believe we won't be expanding you know i don't think we'll be having new bowls come up
2: and si's pat 40 No, man, you did your job. You asked the questions that need to be asked. You asked it professionally. It's a Mike Gundy problem. It's not a you problem. And there's so many people that want to apologize to college football coaches for having to ask that question or questions like it. Don't apologize for doing your job. Just do it. Here's Pat, Russ, and Dan. All right,
1: welcome to the pod. And and I got to say, transfer portal is completely out of control. I just... The other night saw Cincinnati's coach coach at Wisconsin.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> the bigger schools yep. are just, I me. Mean, actually give credit to uh, Luke Fickle for actually coaching that game. Sure. Got the W. Most of them run from that because they don't want to start with zero, with the loss. But,
2: mm-hmm. uh,
1: yeah. Didn't see a lot of outrage about that. Did you? No, I failed to. Failed to see that. Where was Narduzzi? Where was Narduzzi? <laughs> and the world is ending.
2: Yeah, the, we we needed we needed a good guardrails lament guard uh, for that. Guardrails guard coaches are going to bigger schools for
1: more
0: money. <laughs> Newsflash: that, Players are too Dan.
1: Yeah, well, not five million for Drake May though, as we predicted. No. That was no. not even
2: shockingly. Although I, I I I did think it was funny that like. Mac Brown helped fan that flame himself. And then Drake May had to put it out.
1: Yeah. But it was a good story for for, for sure. Mac. That's the thing. I will say this: that the the fear-mongering coaches that are that are screaming are doing enormous credibility damage amongst some segment of fans. Yeah. Like there's absolutely people out there who are like, this sport's dead. It's over this sucks and i don't think they're going to stop watching but they are absolutely killing the credibility of their sport yeah they're not helping so i mean it's their 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 wherewithal to to shoot the to attack the hand that feeds them but uh not really sure that we're really in a panic but it is bowl season and and uh before we get to the the to, to 2 semifinal games we still have to uh go through. Ross, you did have some news about the, the bowl industry, actually thinking of changing its ways. Please recap for us.
0: Yeah, yeah. I had a, um, a conversation with Nick Caporelli, the bowl season executive director, and he started detailing a conversation that he plans to have this off season with uh, FBS commissioners about the future of bowls and how bowls and the bowl structure can Evolve uh, with the rest of college sports. Um, you know, we let off let off the show talking about transfer portal and the NIL situation, and uh, that's an evolution that I think uh, college football is making. I think the bowls want to evolve with it, and you know, one of the big things there are a couple of big top. There's several topics that they'll discuss with commissioners in the offseason. But I think two or three bigger bigger ones I'll hit on, and one of them is NIL. And Nick Carparelli actually came out with a, what I would say is a fairly strong uh, quote saying that, you know, if conference commissioners want, bowls can steer the money that the payout, the bowl payouts, millions in bowl payouts that usually go to conferences and then are distributed to schools – Instead of giving it to conferences, they can give it to the players playing in the game in maybe an equal distribution. You know, so the average bowl game payout is I don't know, like two to four million dollars. Some of them are eight million, some of them are, you know, five hundred thousand, but I guess it's around two to three million is probably the average, maybe for power five, might be more like four or five million. And if you did the math, 150 players on each team. Three hundred players in total, and you divided three or four million dollars. You know, you are talking about a uh, to play in the bowl game, uh, getting a check of about ten to fifteen thousand dollars a player. If you were to cut the checks and, and do the math, so interesting. Uh, so that's one of the the w- topics. Would the players get stuff. all of it? You know, he made it sound like yeah, players will get all of it. I- I'll read wow. a couple of his quotes here when I asked him about this uh, about nil and in in uh, can it, you know what can bowls do. When it comes to NIL, because right now bowl sponsors are getting creative on some NIL situations with players. They're they're not. I don't think they're giving NIL to all the players, but it's just here and there. They're they're doing some experimenting. And I kind of ask Nick, how can it get a little deeper, like how bowls can be more involved. And he said, I'll I'll read this quote. We are really eager to have that conversation. We think we can be a great solution for the commissioners when it comes to NIL. We know they are under increased pressure to find ways to put money in the pockets of student athletes, especially with the rapidly escalating television revenue. They're not able to pay players directly. If they were to desire bowls to make payments directly to players instead of conferences and schools, we can do that. The payouts from bowl games could certainly be directed entirely to the players instead of the conferences if commissioners wanted. So it's an interesting, uh, yeah, uh, certainly an, an interesting situation. I'm sure we will be talked about uh, in the spring. And one of the other real quick topics of discussion will be bowl eligibility standards, which is was changed in 2010 to allow six and six teams and which changed in 2012 to actually allow five and seven teams if there are not enough six and six teams. So the, the eligibility standard is talk of maybe raising back the eligibility standard of a bowl where a team has to be seven and five. And maybe you use the six and six teams for emergency kind of cases like you would currently use five and seven teams. So that's certainly a topic of, of discussion too this offseason.
1: So I guess my thing is this, this would be just a way. So So right now what a conference does and correct me if i'm wrong but i think that's what they do is all the teams in the league so let's take it let's say it's the big 10 all the teams in the league that get bowl money goes into the conference coffers and then they split that money out and they 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 divide that up by the number of teams so everyone kind of gets an equal payment even if you're not in a bowl and the bowl like having ohio state and michigan both in the playoff which are bowl games, but that payout is so enormous that it can cover the. And I can't even think of what bowl, but whatever. Wisconsin maybe loses money playing in, in in its bowl or something like that, or a six and six team loses money because they have to travel. You have to stay down there for three days to five days or more. You have to buy tickets to the game that you'll never sell. It, it, the bowl games are basically welfare cases, and they they have all sorts of under underwritten revenue that you would normally never get. And so by they would able they they kind of cover it by pooling it all together. So you don't actually lose any the, the main school doesn't lose and technically lose the money or the participating school. So what this would do is basically the conference would be on the hook for all of that money. It's a way for a conference to to funnel whatever that bowl payout to players by not paying them directly. Does that make sense? Is that how I'm kind of hearing Yeah, that? yeah. What it, it sounds it. like right so, so. so they're going to take their the big Ten's going to take their tv money or or their and say well we'll cover our postseason money and pay our players and every conference could do that
2: yeah i mean i think so now the one thing i don't know whether it's clear in that or not is if if this becomes yes is it a blanket conference payout like it is now, or you know, does does do Michigan State and Rutgers get NIL bowl payouts for their players if they don't make a bowl, or is it just the bowl teams?
0: Yeah, yeah, that, that's a good question. I I think that part of this is an incentive for players to play in a bowl game. You know, not to opt out, obviously. Right. And if you don't, so if you don't participate in the bowl game, you probably don't get that check, uh, right? So those teams that don't make a bowl, I would assume would not would not get get this NIL payment. I, I think that, yeah, the, one of the big things here, well, two things, and Nick Caporelli said it in that quote, is that, you know, right now we're in just such a weird situation with NIL that, you know, schools and conferences can't really pay the players directly. So what's happening is, as we've talked about in the show quite a bit, is boosters are pooling money and they're funneling it through a third party that is paying the players. So this, so the bowls at least the way Carparelli puts it, would actually be able to be kind of a solution for schools and conferences to give NIL, right? And instead of distributing the bowl payouts to their schools, who then invest it into their athletic departments in whatever way, some of that going to students, but not in cash, this is a way to actually give them cash. And it's also a way... To incentivize making a bowl for players and also a way to incentivize playing in a bowl. In a lot of ways, it makes a lot of sense. Would this be enough to get the like
1: it seems like a lot of the guys skipping are looking at, hey man, I I gotta prep for for the NFL. And if I move up, I move up 14 spots in the draft, I make the 10 grand or 15 grand. Mm. Like, is this is this enough is really would be my question, um, particularly for those big name players. I don't know. But it's certainly an interesting way to do it. I my thing with the bowls is they do pretty well in the ratings. I mean, even the bad bowls incredibly well. It's crazy. Yeah, I think like yeah. that. Remember, we mocked the Bahama Bowl, which was like a Friday afternoon between two six and six teams. And it, it still did almost a million viewers like 8 or 900,000 viewers, is that right? I think I saw. Yeah. It. Yeah. I mean, not bad for a Friday afternoon. <laughs> really good no, for a Friday yeah. afternoon.
2: That's yeah, it, it it most places would kill to have that kind of rating on a Friday afternoon broadcast of any kind. A college yeah.
1: basketball game. Like a good college basketball game doesn't get that on Tuesday night.
0: Well, and I had some you of know, the data Dana just really quickly like some of the this data in 2021. Now this includes CFP playoff, you know, it it does include playoff bowls, but bowls average are right around 5 million viewers a bowl game. Now, if you take out CFP, it might be more like three and a half or something like that, but you're still, a bowl is still averaging over two, three million in viewership. And that, you know, that number, that that three and a half, four million dollar, four million number would have exceed or did exceed the 2021 average viewership for a major league baseball playoff game. It's it's wild. In wow. in this year's Vegas Bowl pulled in 2.5 million viewers. By, by the way, a blowout, right? Florida got blown out by Oregon State. Still still a 2.5 million average viewership for that game beat UCLA Kentucky basketball uh which was on CBS, 2 million viewers beat Celtics Lakers which was aired on ESPN. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Well,
1: and I think as as a legalized sports wagering still, it's, mm. it's in a lot of places right now, but there's still some big states to come, including California, where like one one out of every eight Americans live in California, right? So there's more to come on that as that continues to get more popular as the generationally. That's my thing all along is bowl games are fine as long as schools, participating schools are willing to lose money in the actuality to go. Uh, as long as they're willing to prop them up, these bowls will never go out of business, and they'll get—you know—it's—it's it's not a bad business. It's why a lot of these guys make a lot of money running the bowl, and so, and it's why ESPN will just create as many bowl games as it possibly can. Like it just runs out of teams; it doesn't run out of bowl games. They just create another Frisco Bowl, another Cheez It Bowl, another. They'll, they'll if they could if they could get every team in the league in the country to play in a bowl, they'd do it. Yeah. There'd be yep. was well, 131 teams. So that one team would be left out. And they would you, <laughs> <laughs> UMass. Sorry, UMass. Yeah. They could have a <laughs> they would do that. That's why people are like, move the bowls to the beginning of the season. No, this is a great business. Yeah. And it's working. And people make fun of it or they get mad about it and all this stuff. It's like, who the hell? I like, guess who cares?
0: Well, that's like, that's the thing. I mean, a- game's
1: on, watch it. If it's not on, don't watch it. I don't care who's yeah. playing either, though. I don't really tune in because I'm like, oh, I'm really excited to see. I don't know this eight and four Missouri starters. I don't really care. I don't know. I'd I'd much rather see the best players play. Well, and yes, but weird. I don't know if they have to do this. I guess that's what? what what's the how many more people watch because someone's starters yeah. are playing. I would love it the old system. Everyone played be great, great, but mm-hmm. I get it. I get why you don't.
2: Yeah, I get it too, and that's but that's one of the reasons I like this idea of for incentivized playing with with uh, financial benefit. And, and take some of that bull money that, yeah, let's give it to the actual players and get all the best players to play or try to, at least there's some that I'm sure it's still, it's not going to be enough of a difference maker, uh, monetarily for them to want to say, I, I, I don't want the risk. I want to, I want to prepare for the NFL, but if you're getting more of the guys, at least that people have heard of and want to see play in the games, uh, the games will be better uh, they may not be more watched to your point that people are just going to watch because it's football and it's the holiday season and you know you're you're going to a party or you want to bet on it or whatever but the better the game the 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 better the sport the better the bowl games are. yeah yeah no
1: it's a um and, and it's a it's a weird concept these bowls because if you just look at the business like you know, you take a college football team creates a product, their team, they market the product, they invest everything in the product, they bring the customers for the product, and then at the end of the year, they hand it off to someone else and say, here, you sell our, here's our product, you make money yeah. off it. And so, and these guys sit there and go, this is great, I got two, look at these two fan bases I got, well, who created the fan base? It wasn't the Liberty Bowl, it wasn't the, the <laughs> Bad Boys Bowl. They're watching the team, or they're watching this sport, and yet you get you outsource it. Give these guys thing. I mean, hey, if if the the other thing is the playoff money makes. I always said the bowls won't go out because of the playoffs. They're, it actually creates a bigger pool of postseason revenue that can be redistributed because these like right there's there's what is it half billion more per year right now? If they yeah. right, that's why they're starting yeah. early.
0: Yeah, yeah, right, $450 million additional dollars the two-year, the two extra right. years. And, for, and, and in
1: three years, it's going to be a oh, billion more a bit, or something like billion, that. So probably, we got yeah. plenty of money to pay guys to play in these other bowls. <laughs> the bowl industry isn't in trouble. It's in great shape. <laughs> when, when we were ripping the bowl industry 15 years ago, people, oh, it's out of business. I, had Jim Delaney claiming the bowls will all die. I said, I'll buy every bowl. Anyone wants to sell me a bowl game, I will buy it <laughs> right now. Nobody took me up on the offer.
0: Well, that's nobody. A, will. That's one of the interesting things is the and I'm seeing responses on social media to to this story of mine this morning. And a lot of it is, oh, you know, too many six and six, five and seven teams playing bowls. We have too many bowls. It's watered down. All this stuff. And it's like that. That is a narrative that you've heard for a while. But the thing is, the rate TV ratings for even the worst bowls continue to be. Really good, and so <laughs> if you want bowls to go away, I guess stop watching them on TV. Because and, and Carparelli said this: like the bowl, um, the bowl industry is market driven, right? I mean, it's yeah. it's market driven, and 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 so I, I mean, I, what are you what are you going to do? The market because of TV, TV viewership, the market wants more bowls. No, no community or city or venue or sponsors being forced to put on a bowl they want to put on bowls because the viewership's high and so sponsor dollars come in pretty well and it does well for a community and all this stuff now i I, i'll say this i don't We're at 41 bowls right now i believe we won't be expanding you know i don't think we'll be having new bowls come up i I don't think that's something that's going to happen but you know bowls dropping off if they lowered it down
1: to four wins they'd make them
0: that well, yeah, but, right. but they're going well, the other sure. way. They're talking they're going about the other seven way. and five. Right, right. That's, if you go up to seven and five, surprised you're surprised Yeah, you're going to eliminate if they end up doing that, and I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah. If they end up doing that, then yeah, you're going to eliminate four to seven bowls a year, probably. Wow. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't and, see the use. And of that. that's hard to see. It is. It's it's hard to see happening.
2: I mean, what what would we do without Georgia Southern, Buffalo? I, <laughs> I, my life would be empty.
0: Yeah, and that, see? and hey, and ESPN mm-hmm. doesn't want it to go away. That is space. That's filling time. It's filling four hours in a in a kind of a dead, somewhat dead period. And you know, I'm we're Pat and I are both here in Atlanta. I just ran into Gary Stoken, uh, the the CEO of the Peach Bowl, and he was talking about how the the two and a half weeks bowl, the bowl season, that those two and a half weeks are ESPN's most profitable, two and a half highest rated viewership. Uh, of the year that two and a half week stretch, so they ESPN wants it, and that's something that Caporelli said that I put in that story. The CFP will go out to bid in twenty twenty six. Most believe it'll be you know it'll get multiple networks involved. Um, I mean, it, you would think ESPN and Fox would would share the C, the new CFP expanded playoff broadcasting rights. And Caporelli mentioned, "Hey, we need to get more. We need to get more." TV partners involved in the bowls too you know ESPN yep. owns and operates I think 17 of them and broadcasts all but 3 so he opened the door that we need to get bowls to agree to deals with you know new networks more bowls
2: More More, bowls, more (laughs) bowls, (laughs) and more competition. If Fox and and ESPN are now bidding for all those bowls against each other, yeah, might be more dollars. ESPN, they
1: most ESPN owns the most bowls,
2: like they just made, like I said, they just Hey, New Mexico bowl, we just
1: rent a college stadium, the place is empty anyway. Here, I mean, they're done cheap, it's done cheap, and uh, and here you are. So, yeah, I don't see the uh, I don't see college football is an amazing sport because, like we said earlier, the panics, the complaints. The different things people are convinced are horrible I almost never have any basis in reality. Mm. Like it's just it's it's I, I mean, you go back to those Jim Delaney quotes about the bowl industry is dead. Like what are you talking about? Like it's literally <laughs> the most powerful guy. Then just scaremongering. Like it's like that, that was never going to happen. No, absolutely never. There was no way he he's too smart to not know that. Like I don't know why the leaders of this sport just crap all over the sport so much. (laughs) It's just amazing. They're constantly telling you that everything's horrible. And it's like, what a weird, like, do you think Roger Goodell, literally they could be like, Scandal after scandal after scandal. He stands up there at the end at the, at the Super Bowl press conference. Hey, yeah, ratings are it is wow. You know you got caught. Uh, this they were cheating and there was a domestic uh, uh, whatever. <laughs> Moving on, like college administrators and coaches are like this is horrible. Everything's dying it's like calm down people it's your sport like who I'm the last guy that ought to be propping you guys up <laughs> Jesus, I don't
2: even care it's so cooked into the DNA of college athletics though I mean it's always been a conflict with itself you know with a higher education like should we should we have athletics how important should it be oh my gosh people really like it holy cow we can make a lot of money off of this Huh, maybe we should put even more into it. And then the other side, the academic side, no, no, this is terrible. And that's always been the conflict. And I think it just carries over to like every issue that's ever come up. And a lot of this is still amateurism driven. There's some people that don't like the idea of players getting money, obviously, or having free transfers, player, player empowerment is the big issue. That's, you know, it's 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 eternal and ongoing. And I just don't know whether it's that easy to get people to think outside of everything that's wrong in college sports and think of what's right. And I include myself in that. I've, I've certainly complained people, plenty about- People think
1: that, that like there's five or seven teams in a bowl because it's a participation trophy. It's no, there's a reason there's a Starbucks bucks on every corner. You could sit there and say, this devalues the Starbucks because there's you can get a Starbucks everywhere a McDonald's everywhere. And you go, yeah, the reason it's there is because Starbucks and McDonald's go, I can make money every two blocks. So I'm going to keep putting them up, and and instead it's like the concepts like oh they must feel bad that this little neighborhood doesn't have a Starbucks and this block doesn't have a <laughs> Starbucks and this and it's like no they're not doing it for that none of this stuff is being done anyway that's a, that's a different thing uh one more nil related thing I thought was pretty interesting that I saw so we have some quarterbacks uh hitting the hitting the transfer portal or returning for like fifth and sixth years including um. Sam Hartman is after five years at Wake Forest is transferring. Yeah. Uh, he will not do a sixth at Wake. People are disloyal. Disloyal Sam Hartman. How many years you got to be at Wake? <laughs> I was like, he gave five years. I don't know. That's
0: pretty good. <laughs> he did his time. He did his time.
1: <laughs> Maybe he wants to try something out. He's like took every class at the school. Like he's out of school. I think I'm gonna try something. Might go to Notre Dame. But an interesting concept is that a guy like Sam Hartman or Devin Leary, these guys with mid to late round grades, Max Olson pointed this out from the athletic. You can do pretty well with NIL compared to trying to make it in the NFL. Oh yeah. So like sure. now this worked out <laughs> amazingly for, for our Ames Ames tap water hero, Brock Purdy, <laughs> but uh, it was San Francisco. Cause he's now, who knows, man, he's playing great. Yeah. That water still, the the minerals are still floating around See, and he is in the next Tom It's the break. key to
2: his success. I mean, yes, yeah, we made that abundantly
1: clear. Clearly the Ames water. So as the Mr. Irrelevant, he received a $77,000 signing bonus and rookie minimum. And obviously there's no, you know, more likely than not, he didn't even make the team. So if you're like a Sam Hartman, you're like, man, I can make a couple hundred grand maybe at Notre Dame, a hundred grand. I don't know, like. It, you don't have to jump. We've seen this in basketball, right? The big guys, Oscar at at, uh, at, at Kentucky, and and uh, some of these other guys, like y- y- you'll do pretty well playing college hoops. So some of these yeah. guys might be sticking around because they can make six figures playing college football.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yep. And if you yeah, if you're very unsure of your marketability at the next level, then get it where you know you can do it, and you can uh, and he, he. You you become a even a one year star at Notre Dame, it's probably gonna open a few doors for you. And yeah. I don't know, you know, whether Sam Hartman's like an MBA kind of guy, you know, get get your master's in business from from a great business school there at Notre Dame while you're while you're playing football, whatever. But there's a lot of lot of reasons why this would be a, a really good thing for him to do.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Pretty interesting.
2: Searching for NBA playoff coverage, we've got you. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine.
1: All right, one more before we get to the, uh, the semifinals. The most fight we've seen in the last uh, six, eight weeks of Oklahoma State game when um, Coach Gundy, the mullet, the Stillwater mullet, got a little chapped at a uh, question about possible staff changes. After they, would they lose like six of seven going down the stretch or something? Yeah, huh. no, they were, They completely fell apart. Five they of won, six. they won. They lost five of six,
2: and then lost the bowl
1: game. And then lost the bowl game. Play that, Sean, for us. And so the staff changes are starting to happen earlier and earlier now with the portal um, being a thing. Do you anticipate making making any changes to your staff down next season?
0: Do you think I would have tell you if I was making staff changes? No, but I have well, to then ask. why would you ask? Because I have to. It's my job. Okay, well, I might have to cut you out. I mean, don't be an ass. Really? I mean, those people's lives, man. It's people's families, right? Okay. okay, don't mess with people's families. Let's do this the right way. You with me on this? I mean, it's not fair to people's families, man.
2: All right, that will conclude our press I'm not mad us.
0: about the game. I just don't like ignorance. All
1: right, so in Mike Gundy rants, this is, you know, moderate. Moderate to high. Moderate. To, he didn't yell. I'm a. I'm a man. <laughs> He's not forty anymore. I get his point, but uh it's pretty reasonable question. So everybody <laughs> asks this question. I get the idea of like. Well, I'm not going to address that right now. But I don't know why you got to call the guy and ask. But, uh, my, you know, Mike Gundy is Mike Gundy, man. If Mike Gundy handled that well, it would have been more like the dog bites man bites
2: dog than. Hmm. Yeah. yeah but I mean that look, that's a very easy question to handle. That's something we'll discuss in the off season period you're you're done. you're out of it in one sentence, but gundy's got to be gundy, and really, the staff changes maybe should start with the head coach with the way they finish the season. Oh. like absolute dogs losing six out of seven. but uh, the you know that that is a completely natural question to ask. And you don't know when you're going to get Mike Gundy here, you know, in the college emperor sphere of, of football coaches. They can disappear for as, about as long as they want to after a season. Spring game. You maybe yeah. see him in February signing day or something or spring practice. So you got to ask the question when you get a chance to ask it. And, um, you know, for Gundy to respond that way is is very on brand for him. But then I actually saw something from the reporter who asked the question like posting something very introspective on Twitter. like I have to think about how to handle these situations. No, no, man, you did your job. You asked the questions that need to be asked. You asked it professionally. Mm -hmm. It's a Mike Gundy problem. It's not a you problem. Right. And there's so many people that want to apologize to college football coaches for having to ask that question or questions like it. Don't apologize for doing your job. Just do it. Right.
0: The only one that maybe needs to apologize is, is Gundy for calling a reporter an ass. For asking a legitimate question. I do hate, and and sometimes I'm sure it's like young reporters, but there is this tendency, especially with social media, to post like, you know, after an exchange like that goes viral or after they report news that ends up being inaccurate or something, is to like go on social and apologize for it or write a note apps thing. Guys, stop. Like, don't do that. Just stop doing it. I remember it happening a few weeks ago with the the T V reporter in Mississippi, uh that broke you know, that broke the the Lane Kiffin to Auburn stuff. And he wrote this long notes up like, just don't do it, just let it die. <laughs> just stop. And and that that reporter did not need to do any kind of apologizing for Asking a legitimate question in, in that's, yeah, just, just now I will say this and maybe it's to Dan's point when he mentioned earlier, but like, I don't know what we think we're going to get with that question. Like you're not going to get right. I mean, you're, you're, you're not going to get an answer of any kind. An ass, coach. But, yeah. You know, I was just about to right, fire. Though, right. I mean, <laughs> right. you're not going to get a good answer.
2: I mean, I, you, there's a chance. I, I mean, one of the reasons you ask is he might say, yeah, you know, that's something we got to think about. You might even get, you might get that. But right. you didn't even get that much. And then, yes, Gundy with this – people's families. Well, you're making $7 million a year at Oklahoma State, dude. That's, yeah. This kind of comes with yeah. the
1: territory. It's yeah.
2: part of the job.
1: You're not here to make sure everybody feels good. And, yeah. and Mike Gundy could give a crap. If you lost your job, he ain't going to give yeah hell right. about you, and nor should he. So, uh, you know – It's just the way, yeah. It's it's you know what they 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 have a lot of power, and usually the fans rally around the coach, so the the, a reporter can get inundated by the fans, and that doesn't feel good. Uh, And all you try, you know, you're just trying to do your job. But uh, the fans, I mean, if I'm a fan of Oklahoma State, I'm like, what are we gonna do with this stat? Like, we got to do some things here. Yeah, like, this is terrible. Yeah, I would think like, the wait, fans don't want that question what do you think of the third down conversion in this game? You're just sitting there going, "Our team sucked down the stretch. What the hell happened? What are we going to do here, Coach?" Right. And so that's what you want to know. But yeah, it gets uh, it, get, it 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 does get uh, contentious now. And this is literally just a question that's a totally reasonable question. This isn't even the old Miss guy no uh, getting the story completely right. wrong right right, right. I mean, like that one maybe you're like hey i i, I screwed up i need to double i don't know what that he wrote either but yeah well good to see the, the mullets got about... a little fight in him.
2: it's <laughs> more than he gets <laughs> this is something yeah we'll see if that carries over at all to next year yeah right. yeah the one the best thing about the the, the mississippi tv guys thing explanation was like the wife of the Mississippi state president (laughs) dropped a hammer on him after that on Twitter. Did she
0: not Ross? I believe. Yeah. I believe she kind of made a, she replied to it and it was like a kind of a snarky comment. (laughs) I think it was something like, uh, and the guy's name was, the reporter's name is John. I think it was, uh, something like John, baby, your, your work here is done. Uh, (laughs) almost like a little comment of, Hey, you you uh, you provided a distraction for the Bulldogs to go in there and win. Thank you. Now you can stop. You know, it was good. That was uh, Rhonda Keenum. There you go. The wife of uh, Mark Keenum, the Mississippi State president and the CFP chair, very powerful person. And uh, I believe Lane Kiffin himself retweeted that reply from <laughs> Rhonda Kiffin. Uh You really can't make it up, man. My my uh, the sip, man, only in the sip.
1: All right, let's get to this uh, this little uh, Ohio State-Georgia game. Just a little thing going down Atlanta. You're yeah. both there. Yep. Uh, I want to start with the Buckeyes because I think Ryan Day is the most interesting character in this drama. Uh, ESPN's doing the greatest story ever played or something. That's their, their marketing slogan. I like that. I don't know if you guys have spoken to Ryan. He's done some interviews already, but much fan unease in Ohio State after the second Michigan loss. They're not going to fire Ryan Day, nor should they, but there's a lot of, we're not sure this is the right guy. He lost twice to Michigan. Is that unfair? Probably, but whatever. That's how you get the job. That's how you get the money. You got to win. And it looked like it was going to be a long, long offseason. They, they've they also had some recruiting losses of late, which, you know, they'll, they'll fill in. They'll be okay, little old Buckeyes. But here's the reprieve. And so he has two chances here, pressure and opportunity. They beat Georgia and and presumably even beat Michigan. Who who the hell cares what happened last month? They get run out the door by Georgia. It's even worse. And I don't know if it becomes so toxic that it doesn't make Ryan Day consider the NFL a little bit more. Yeah. But Ross, start with you. Your thoughts on the Ryan Day situation and the whole Buckeye program, that this feels a little bit like a referendum when these other schools are all kind of sitting pretty i mean i don't think anyone at tcu really you know there's not gonna be a lot might be some disappointment if they lose but there's gonna be any anger
0: no and it's kind of it's crazy to think about that the fan base is in the situation that it's in or or feeling like it it, it's uh you know it's disappointed in its coach when ryan day's record at ohio state is 45 and five it's truly remarkable You know, two conference titles, you know, advanced, obviously, to the the championship game uh, a couple years ago, lost to Alabama. Uh, And and here we sit talking about how angry the fan base is. And it's just probably gives you an idea of how important that Michigan-Ohio State game is. And, well, you know, we had interviews today, earlier this morning here in Atlanta in – you know, I hopped around to different tables uh, of Ohio State players and Jim Knowles, the defensive coordinator. And, you know, every other question probably was about the Michigan game. It was, it was about a play in the Michigan game or uh, the Michigan game as a whole or it was just, it was, there was something about Michigan in in almost every other question or so. So it's it's still, it's just kind of lingering over the team, it feels like, like this kind of dark cloud. And uh, yeah, it can be kind of removed with with a win Saturday but right now it does feel like it's lingering it does feel like it's lingering over Ryan Day and I think Danny makes a great point they're not going to fire Ryan Day but if they do get blown out in this game you do wonder if he thinks more about the professional ranks In and, and there'll be opportunities there I'm sure for him if he wants it
2: yeah this goes back I Mean, I remember sitting there at Big Ten Media Day in July and Ryan Day saying eleven and two is a successful year in a lot of places. It wasn't for us. And that was last year. You know, we didn't beat Michigan, we didn't win the Big Ten, we didn't win the national championship, and everything all off season was all about getting tougher to beat Michigan, and then they got plowed by Michigan. So it just it just exacerbated everything that they were supposedly you know, trying to fix, and yeah, to Ross's point, I mean, the questions were endless about Michigan, especially today was their defense day. Yesterday, offense, there weren't as many, but but it was absolutely endless. And <laughs> Players, somebody finally even asked, are you tired of hearing about the Michigan game? And they're all like, yes, we are, but that's the problem. It's the last game you played, it's the biggest game you played, and you got trucked, so you're going to hear about it. Georgia was in this same situation last year they couldn't beat alabama they kept losing to alabama in big games they got upset in the sec championship they got beat by 17 and all the questions were oh my god here we go again are you can you ever beat alabama can you get it back together and they did and they handled it extremely well i think there's there's more doubt about this ohio state team than there was about georgia last year but it's a similar situation in terms of having a month to stew in a really bad loss
1: what about uh georgia Win the national title last year they haven't lost this year they lost 15 players to the nfl draft a year ago and it's sort of like the beat keeps going what is the mood with with georgia right now and you uh, know what were they saying i know you guys just came from that so i don't really you tell me what to discuss
2: yeah i mean i i think that uh I feel like there's a level of confidence there. I don't know whether it's overconfidence, but I I mean, there's certainly a level of confidence. Like, look, we've been here, we've done that, and we haven't lost in a long damn time. And Georgia, I believe, is absolutely the most physically dominant team in college football by a wide margin. They're what Alabama used to be. And you turn on the tape of Michigan-Ohio State and you see a team... That you dominated last year, physically dominate the Buckeyes, and I think you're looking at that, and I, I, I think it would be almost natural to have some level of overconfidence, like, yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna push these guys off the field. Nobody is saying that; it's not overt, but I kind of get that sense that that's the, the underlying feeling uh, from Georgia. And now, on the other hand, the flip side, you know, and I think this is Ohio State's big hope is. Georgia's secondary got roasted by LSU. Uh, it didn't matter because they scored 50, but they gave up 500 yards, and Ohio State has the best passing game, probably in the country, so if Georgia wants to find itself in an unexpected, uncomfortable shootout, it could if they don't tighten it up a little bit better on the back end this time.
0: Yeah, you you do uh, feel when you talk to Georgia players and, and, and coaches, too, you do feel a, a, pretty, uh, a pretty high confidence level. And and maybe that's that's something that uh, Ohio State could uh, can take advantage of. Maybe that's something that's gonna be a detriment in some way. I don't necessarily think so, but I think what Pat said is is right. they're they're just like physically just you know, wear you down, beat you down. and Jim Knowles, the Ohio State defensive coordinator, talked about that actually this morning. Uh, he was comparing I thought it was interesting. He was comparing Michigan's offense to Georgia's offense and how similar that they are schematically, how similar they are, their use of tight ends, their use of play action, and the fact that they wear you down and they run the ball so consistently. And he was talking about how when you when you gang up and you're you, you want to stop the run. And so you gang up and you you be aggressive, you try to match the physicality, and then poop, that's where the play action comes in and they'll hit you deep.
2: One other thing I want to point out Speaking of fan, or I'm sorry, fan media, I should say, interactions with the uh, with these guys. Somebody asked in the uh, in the Ohio State uh, media room. You know, there's another semifinal, and uh, TCU is playing another team. Ah. It's like, you're in the media, dude. You can say Michigan, the team <laughs> It's <up> okay <laughs> to say the word Michigan if you're yeah. in the media. But they're all so trained to think you know, about that school <laughs> up north. That's the way we refer to them. It's like, oh, my God. The
1: weirdest was when Urban Meyer would, like, throw people out of the – if you wore blue into his
0: building. Ah, yes. <laughs> Les, Les Miles used to make comments, if you were red, at his press conference yeah. he would call you out you know
1: yeah i mean it's like i don't know dude i'm not coordinating my no my i don't have to dress for or, you like an nfl scout like i'm here to try to give your guys jobs like deal with it <laughs> you know whether the new york giants i have blue <laughs> it's a color a primary color at that Show up with a Michigan hat or something? All right, you're being a little yeah, bit... Yeah, that might be pushing. It. But even oh, the, the dude
2: that went to Gundy's house wearing an Oklahoma shirt to, like, do the floors or something. Remember back when? It was, like, 15 years ago. Oh, another Gundy, Gundy got mad at the floor guy? Yeah. Yeah, some guy showed up to do some work on his house wearing an Oklahoma shirt, and he got to keep screwing <laughs> him out. I, I remember mean, like that. If you, if you yeah. hire a floor
1: guy in Oklahoma, there's at least a 63% chance he's going to show <laughs> yeah. up with some kind of Sooner gear. Yeah. <laughs> i mean you go anywhere in the state uh anyway all right the other one well I don't know should we we should make our picks too we got two picks huh oh yeah, yeah. let's do it all right so
2: so george is given six and a half pat your thoughts lay the lumber I think that's not enough points uh again I said you know could this turn out into a shootout yes but I just i don't think Ohio State has any chance to run the ball so they're just gonna have to drop back and throw 50 times and well, CJ Stroud's hard to sack. He's not sacked very often. They protect him well and he's shifty in the pocket. He gets rid of the ball. He's not he's not a great running threat, but he 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 avoids getting sacked. So that helps, but I just think Georgia absolutely is better on both lines of scrimmage and they've got enough playmakers that they're going to hit some plays uh, against that Ohio State defense that is is not great.
0: I so, agree. Yeah. Georgia big. Yeah, I agree. I, I think Georgia covers the six and a half. It feels like a ten to fourteen point game here. I think Ohio State. Yeah, or Georgia's you know two touchdowns better, fit more physical. Like Pat said, you know in the on the lines more talented. I think that Ohio State, if it's gonna you know if it's gonna win, like we've talked about, it's got to hit it deep. It, it's got to take advantage of it. Advantage maybe in the skill position at receiver and, and obviously quarterback there, but people have been sleeping on uh, on old Stetson and in Georgia's offense. You know, I went to the ranking uh, the the stats the other day and they they're I think they're seventh or eighth in total offense. So this this is a complete team that's better offensively than it was even last year. Uh, so I'll take the Bulldogs and and uh, to cover this.
1: I'm, I'm gonna agree. I it's just Georgia. I just think Georgia. Okay, if the two favorites win, we're going to have a Georgia-Michigan discussion, and we're going to be like, Georgia does all the stuff, Michigan does just maybe a little bit better at most of it. So it's really hard to see how this matchup goes well coming off of it. Now, that said, I'm going to say this about the Buckeyes. Like, I can't even remember the last time, like, this program was discussed with such, like, lack of regard. I don't want to say disregard, but it's just sort of like, ah, they don't really stand a chance. They're rarely underdogs, and I know it's only six and a half, but it just feels like this defeatist bit. Now, I don't know what's inside. You know, they're saying the defense is playing like crazy and the practices are vicious and all this stuff, and maybe this otherwise proud program jumps up off the off the canvas and, and does something here and, and surprises people. But that's my only hesitation. But this is not a team the whole year that looked like very rarely where you're just like, okay, there they are like Buckeyes are really good. They were always kind of messing around a little or this or that. It was never quite something was missing. And can they find it, man, trying to find it against against Georgia in Atlanta is not really a good place to be searching around for Mm -hmm. your identity. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to take, I'm going to take Georgia. That's the only guard I have on it is it's still Ohio state. They still have a lot of talented players and, and this is a very prideful program that presumably is just living in hell and they got their second chance, but I don't think that's enough. All right. The other one is obviously uh, TCU and Michigan. That'll be at four o'clock earlier in the day on new year's Eve out in uh, Arizona. Uh, you know, I, I, look at this game as, is. you know, Michigan, Michigan's in a different spot this year than they were a year ago. They're really happy to make the playoffs last year. And they were staring at this double gauntlet of like, here's Georgia. Then you get Alabama probably, I know a lot of Michigan fans who are just they've already booked their flights and their hotels and everything for for L.A. I know that's not the the program. They're taking it seriously, but totally different mentality here. Obviously, they should be favored. This will be the best team TCU's played. It's the best defense TCU's played and and all of that. And I guess the questions is basically, can can the Horn Frogs? Put together this dream against uh, a much better defense and a much better, better rounded team of Michigan. They are uh, Michigan's a seven and a half point favorite. Pat, what are your thoughts on this?
2: Yeah, I I think TCU's up against it, uh, and I think the one weak link there is just their defense. You know, they 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 have a very good offense, and they've got they've got they're well schemed. They've got a really good quarterback, a really good running back, some good receivers, but. I just think defensively they're going to have a tough time handling uh, what Michigan brings to the table. You know, I think we saw Kansas State be able to to run the ball, move the ball, uh, and Michigan's offense is better than Kansas State. Several people have have been able to move the ball against uh, TCU, so I think physically it's going to be a tough matchup for them. I Donovan Edwards has been on fire the last two games, 400 yards rushing. And if they can, if you know, if Jim Harbaugh can go in and say, "Look, we just we play b- our bread and butter football," and you have success, TCU's got to pull some rabbits out of the hat. And I, I think just if if this game starts unfolding that way, it could it could snowball to a degree. Now, uh, TCU's defense has given up big plays. They they give up, I think, over five yards per carry. So twenty five points uh, a game. Yeah. 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 And the other thing like the court, uh, their wide receiver Quentin Johnston is excellent but I'm telling you the uh the freshman DB Will Johnson for Michigan is really coming on. He's played really well as the season's gone on. 6'2", 194, he's big and long like Quentin Johnston. Uh I think he'll be able to match up well and uh and and have a good game. I I don't I'm not saying he's going to be covering him solo a bunch, but that's another factor. Is Michigan, Michigan's just playing at a, at, a, at a peak level right now, and that's that's trouble for TCU. Yeah,
0: TCU's defense. Yeah, really is. Uh, this is this doesn't seem like a a great a great matchup. Like you said, you know they're they're giving up like over twenty five points a game. There was a stretch this year, like a five game stretch, I think, where four of the five games they gave up more than thirty point thirty one points and forty points here and there. I, I it it just. Um, I don't. I don't like the matchup at all. Playing such a a physical team in Michigan that also can hit you deep. Uh, you know they they have uh, TCU feels like a team that probably should should have more than one loss, right? They I think it's six games. They were they led in the or they trailed by double digits in six games this year in the second half, and, and came back to win them all. I mean kudos there, but but uh, at some point you know that luck does kind of run out than it, it did in their last game against Kansas State. And yeah, this, 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 this doesn't feel like a, uh, too competitive of a, of a matchup for the, for the Horn Frogs. And uh, Michigan just seems again, just like Georgia, this Michigan team feels better uh, offensively, like better than last year's team and more complete.
1: Yeah. I think Michigan's problem is, is depth. I mean, like losing Blake Corum hurts and, and can Edwards, be a feature back. He's better when he's, you know, the second back and catching balls and stuff like that. But you got, you got Edwards doing that. McCarthy played a little better against uh, Ohio State. Maybe the bowl practices he, he keeps building. The receiving core had been somewhat of a disappointment this year, but there's some talent there. But, I mean, again, like, their defense is so good. Only one team, I said, TCU's averaging 25 allowed a game. Only Maryland got mm. over 25 against Michigan. And the really that game and the Illinois game are really the only like. Got to make plays in the fourth. I I, I just I, you will know really quick if this game is over, if Michigan gets the ball, and just cries out like a seven, a seven minute drive in the first half, of the game is over. It's it'll remind mm-hmm. me of that Alabama Notre Dame game, <laughs> yeah, in the BCS title game. It's like two plays mm-hmm. in, you're like game over. And then you're off to find A.J. McCarron's Yeah, girlfriend. you got to go find another. <laughs> I mean, like, if they just dominate the the offensive line like that, it's over. You know, you're not because you, I remember that, you know, you're like Harbaugh isn't going to be like, oh, this is working. But let's try to air it out. Like, no, no. it's like, OK, you can't stop us. Mm-hmm. I dare you. And if you can't and we're going to keep hitting you and hitting you and hitting you. And we got more depth and more players and all that. So I so we're all picking Michigan here. Yep,
2: Michigan yep. win and cover. Right. Yep, Wolverines. It'll be,
1: if, if so, it'll be if not, it would be an epic upset. TC's had an incredible season, uh, and I think they're going to keep building. Their credibility now is so high. Sonny Dykes is just in a – I mean, I just think their recruiting is going to be great. Their transfers yep. are going to be great. They're in a really nice spot.
2: Yep, extremely. You get all yeah, those got- kids that
1: that are from the Fort Dallas-Fort Worth. They leave, and then it's like, oh, I'm coming back.
0: Yep, got yeah, Texas and, and OU moving out. I mean, everybody's yep. kind of searching for who's going to be, you know, the 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 Big Twelve leader. People yep. may point to to Baylor or Kansas State or Oklahoma State or something like that, but I, I think TCU is is a better position than probably any of them.
1: Yeah, great, great setup uh, for them. All right, we have a a, a people's court before we leave. <laughs>
2: All rise, the Honorable Judge Wenzel, Judge Forty, and Judge Dellinger presiding. This is the People's Court.
1: A uh, Christmas Uh-oh. edition, sort of. Okay. Oh no, another Grinch story? No, it's not Grinch. I don't know if it's Christmas. It happened Christmas Eve.
0: Wait, hold on. Okay, Dan. It happened. Last night Pat and I were at the yes. Basement Speakeasy Bar in downtown Atlanta, Red Phone Booth. It's a great place you should go if you're in downtown Atlanta cuz there's not much else to do in, uh, in downtown Atlanta. And we were sitting next to a a Michigan fan from Traverse City, right? Where the where one of the oh. Grinch stories took <laughs> yes. place. Yeah.
2: Yes. Did you t- ask him about it? Like sure. I he didn't know about it. I <laughs> told him about it. Yeah. <laughs> How much
1: could possibly be happening in Traverse City in December? I thought that would be the talk (laughs) of the town. The Grinch fought the reindeer, right? Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, all right. All right. Well, this one takes place in New York City. Uh, Dean Redmond. Dean Redmond is a 22-year-old waiter in uh, New New York City. And uh, on Christmas Eve, he was uh, serving some customers uh, at his job. And uh, he he notes he is, quote, terrible, unquote, at the job as a waiter. <laughs> <laughs> 22 people. It was a table of 22. So that's a, that's a, even a good waiter. That's a struggle. Yeah, that's that's,
0: that's, that's, tough. that's big. Yeah. So
1: everyone ordered. He got a little confused. And he forgot to put in the order for four of the people's sandwiches. Uh, four sandwiches were not put in. Mm. So when all the food came out, there's four people without the uh, food. Uh, so uh, this is per the Daily Mail and per his TikTok, which he admitted this uh, all on. Instead of taking the blame, he lied and said the waitress who was delivering the four sandwiches slipped on the stairs, fell down the stairs, and had to be taken to intensive care <laughs> at the hospital.
0: God.
1: Rather than admit uh, he forgot to put the sandwich order in. The customers were very concerned and very obviously like, don't worry about my sandwich whenever I can get it out here. Right.
0: Mission accomplished.
1: Yeah. But (laughs) then they kept asking her for him for updates on her condition.
0: (laughs) 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 She's taking a turn for the worse. She may not make it. Yeah.
1: Yes. Yeah. Like yeah, she dying. What is up? So this guy forgot the sandwiches. So then at the they leave the bill, they write a note. To dear staff, this is from uh, the the customers. Please do not stress. Things happen. We hope she is okay. Exclamation <laughs> point. Love, Paul and Sue. Oh, okay, the, the the people at the of the party, and they left five hundred dollar oh, tip no. to Dean. No, no. Oh my God! <laughs> These people are way too nice. Now, that's, it, it was a 22-person table, so I don't know if this is totally, but it, this was enough that five on. So, Dean, I don't understand this. I, first off, you know, whatever. He goes on his TikTok and admits it all. Of course <laughs> he does. Yes. Quote it's like, like I'm the going media guy get, that's
2: oversharing. Today's yeah, what, oversharing. I mean,
1: like what? Under the hashtags restaurant review, hashtag lies, and hashtag server problems, he says, I'm going to get such bad karma for lying to this table but he refuses to, he's not giving the 500 back. <laughs> <laughs> so the people's court question is, is Dean a hero? <laughs> was, this, was this a stroke of genius or is he a criminal who basically conned these people out of 500 and four sandwiches on time <laughs> because of his dishonesty? Justice
2: 40. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> yeah, no, he's a criminal. I'm sorry. I, I I I appreciate a good hustle, but when it turns out this bad, yeah, you've, you've invented somebody going to the hospital for an in, for an, an imaginary uh, accident, and they leave a $500 tip. At some point, you gotta you gotta end the con. You gotta come out and and admit it. Now he did, and he did on on like, like what what is the point of that other than the fact that I guess he doesn't want to be a waiter anymore because it, he's gonna get fired right well, yeah. off of that. Yeah. I assume, like every other waiter in New York, he's trying to be an actor, right? <laughs> mm. and so he's clearly he's got some skill. Maybe he should be a screenwriter too, and just you know, kind of invent stuff uh, and put his efforts into that. But no, he's out as a waiter. He's he's bad. You're out. Yeah, yeah,
0: I agree. Yeah, he's he's done. You can't uh, you can't you can't lie, and then you can't keep the five hundred. I mean, Lord,
1: <laughs> you got to donate it to charity or something. Yeah, like that, I was right?
0: thinking. I, I, I was thinking he would send it to a local hospital or something. You know?
1: <laughs> Children's wing. It's yes. Sloan Kettering or something.
0: Yes, yes.
1: Tip, tip the nurses who are working that yeah. night. Yeah, something else could have been done here, Dean. Uh, look, I love a good hustle. Anyone in the service industry knows you got to hustle a little bit. But this is too much. Also, because he admitted this also on his TikTok, this is pri- this could be brought up at trial. Uh, he yeah. talks another time about how he forgot to put in an order for onion soup. And instead of confessing to it, he got his colleague to sit crying and he what? told the table she had accidentally spilled the soups all over and she was carrying them and ended up with third degree burns. All right. This oh, guy just no, does so no a-
0: longer needs to be a server that this guy needs to, to, to stop serving people at restaurants. That's that's the bottom line. <laughs>
2: I mean, I, I admit the self-awareness to say he's terrible at it. But beyond that, yeah, get out of the job. Where the hell's my soup?
1: I mean, you want your onion soup? Oh, yeah. Dean, you suck. No Christmas for you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're going to be back after the semifinals. We're taping a sucker in the middle of the night on uh on the early morning of the 1st. Yeah, Sobriety, we don't know. Can't promise that. We can promise we'll talk. We will talk. So we'll discuss. We'll break the whole thing down. So when you wake up on New Year's morning, no matter your your how, how cloudy your head is, you can listen to us. There you That's go. right. Break right down the games. So it right. should be pretty exciting.
2: Also, I did real quick, uh, shout out to the, all of the Ohio State media that oh, got yeah. screwed by Southwest Airlines and had oh, yeah. to drive nine hours. I oh. heard from several of them who listened to the pod on the yeah, drive. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We, we appreciate the listenership.
1: Boy, lucky they weren't in Arizona. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, everybody at the airport right now not not good out there. It's tough. It's rough out there. Careful of your sandwich and soup orders. (laughs) We will talk to you later.